Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston. I'm one of the co-hosts here. The other one, right across from me, is here today. Very special guest, Charles Chuck Thompson. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm happy that you're here today, Charlie. Thank, thank, <laughs> thank you. I will be doing for sure. I'm so oh, nervous. For sure, I'll be doing more of the speaking today, although I I suspect that's normally the case anyway. Hi. <laughs> but Charles <laughs> is still reeling from his tooth problem, his nasty snaggle tooth just went ahead and got cut out last week. A couple of them got cut out, and he's still hurting pretty bad right now. I don't know why. Yeah, it's pretty would, bad. You've had a, a, an interesting day. I have, yeah. First of all, you had jury duty this morning. Yeah, yeah. And that was interesting, I bet. Um, and then you chauffeured me to back to the dentist because I was still in a lot of pain. And he only gave me enough pain medication for like three days. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Hmm, I went the last, I went all weekend with basically nothing. And I was so miserable this morning. And I really didn't sleep. So you took me back and they were like, yeah, there's nothing wrong. And I'm like, well, why am I hurting so bad? And he goes, you're a big guy. <laughs> you're a big guy. That's what he said to me. Really? Yeah. He goes, you're a big guy. Sometimes harder to heal. What? And he was like, there's Did you no, tell me you weren't diabetic. I know. He's like, there's no <laughs> infection and there's no, um, there's no dry socket. He was like, it's just, sometimes it's different for different people. I was okay. Like, okay. So he called, he called you a bee in front of your face. Essentially. Yeah. Essentially. Okay. He, All right. He started off by saying, does your mom know? And I was like, does she know what? And he goes, you're a punk ass bitch. <laughs> and I thought that was very unprofessional. Yeah. You know, doctors these days. Say. Yeah. But he did. Yeah. And that's so, how they're teaching them. So I was like, oh, well, no, she doesn't, but she'll listen to the podcast and she does now. <laughs> so essentially I'm a giant, I'm a giant wuss. All right. Well, yeah. at least we all know that for sure now. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. It was it was also very highly suspected. We all kind of mm. thought that that was the case. And now we know for sure that Charlie... Doctor prescribed. Yeah. We know for sure mm -hmm. that there's nothing actually wrong with Charlie. He's uh, just being a bee about all of it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. Uh, yeah. You mentioned I did have an interesting morning. I got up this morning and went down to the courthouse there in downtown Nashville mm. and uh, reported for jury duty. Mm -hmm. and it looked like you i was your right hand I lo it looked like i was on the civil the civil courts side uh, and boring. so i got really uninterested really quickly and they were like uh do you have any reasons that you can't do jury duty and i was like well i'm self-employed so i won't be able to make any money and you guys gonna pay me money and they're like no so i was like okay well i i, I don't really need to be here then and literally she just goes well you're free to go that was it. Did you get like a written sign thing saying they just gave me a parking pass, a, a, a thing to get free parking. That was it. Mm. I think that's what she meant. If not, there could be a warrant out for my arrest right now. I'm not really sure. There might be. You, might, you yeah. always got to get a signed napkin or something. Yeah. So I was uh, interested in doing it because I believe heavily in the principle of jury nullification. And I was, I was kind of excited 
about the idea of keeping someone out of prison for committing a nonviolent crime that shouldn't mm -hmm. be a crime. And a lot of people disagree with this. I've had some interesting discussions with people over the last uh, several weeks while I was waiting for jury duty. And um, I think that that's an important thing to do. Even if, uh, say, got in there and someone was being convicted of, I don't know, selling some drugs or something like that. Loose, do I, loose cigarettes. Yeah, loose cigarettes. I don't know. Do I believe that that is uh, something they should be doing in their time? Do I, do I agree with it, really? No, nah, I mean, I don't think it's a great life choice. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're particularly helping society in any kind of way. Do I think that they should be put in a cage because they were doing that for any number of years? No, not at all. So I, I would not enforce that law as a juror on, on that. And an interesting conversation I had with someone was like, well, if they find that the person did break the law and you know that they broke the law, then you have to find them guilty. And I said, I sure as hell don't. I don't it's have in, to it's find in them. Geneva Convention. It's, it's look it up. A, yeah, look it up. I do not have to find them guilty. I have to vote the way that, uh, that I went to, which, which sounds very subjective. Of course, there's a lot of bad things that could happen from that. People could be found non-guilty when they do commit crimes that take liberties away from other people. But that already happens anyway. And we might not call, call it jury nullification, but people could say, uh, vote not guilty if they saw that, um, you know, OJ killed his wife and the dude she was banging, you know? And, and mm -hmm. they could vote not guilty anyway. There's jury nullification, I guess. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it should be used heavily when there are unjust laws, when there are tyrannical laws out there. For instance, if you were uh, someone who was a... Uh, someone who was aiding slaves that had escaped and you were helping to hide them or something like that, and it was against the law, and you were being tried in court... Well, I would, I would hope that someone on the jury would decide to find that person not guilty because that was an extremely unjust law. Mm -hmm. And I looked up all of the precedent on this. I was reading a lot about the precedent on this, precedent on this to see if I was correct because I was looking at being on a jury. And it goes back way back in way back into the olden days. You know, it's back in English common law, things like that. Um, I can't the remember old English comments. I can't remember what country this was famous in. Maybe Ireland or something like that. Scotland. Someone was, um, was Scotland. Well, I was talking about a specific case. I can't remember where exactly it happened. But Scotland. Is this where it happened? I don't know. Okay. I like, <laughs> you just, just want to like, say Scotland? I like Braveheart. Okay. <laughs> I like Braveheart. <laughs> so I'm just going to say Scotland <laughs> over and over again until you acknowledge that I'm saying Scotland. <laughs> Someone acknowledge I'm saying Scotland, please. So, uh, the, this case way back when, uh, they were finding the guy guilty. It was a uh, Quaker, I believe, was, uh, was preaching something that was not, it was not okay. And the mm. king didn't like it, okay? And the jury was... Didn't even like his accent. The jury was refusing to find the person guilty. And they ended up taking the jury and holding them for a few days, actually, without, with like minimal food and water, trying to torture them, basically, until they would agree to find the guy guilty. Because it was clearly against the law that they had, and they were refusing to do it. And so the story goes way back, several hundred years ago, to when people were exercising their right to fight against what they believed to be very unjust laws. So I wanted to do that today, but I, what I was not interested in was enforcing like a 
some kind of lawsuit against someone for I don't know. I wasn't interested in that today. So yeah. anyway, if you guys have any other ideas on jury nullification, you think it's a good idea, bad idea, let me know via this private Discord. If you're a member, if you're someone who's gone to patreon.com slash Liberty and you have subscribed and you're watching right now what you think about the principle of jury nullification, because I happen to think it's a real good idea, and I think more people should practice that. Mm-hmm. I was also worried that the fact that I do this podcast and we talk about all kinds of things all the time, that someone could dig back into this and use it to overturn a verdict, that they could declare a mistrial, they could do anything like that if you just went back through and listened to all the stuff that we've said on a daily basis for a few years. So overall, probably just not a great idea for me to be on a jury. I don't think. Well, let that be their problem. Yeah, I guess that's their problem. Mm-hmm. In, it, but in that case, I guess that would only happen if you had found the person guilty and then the, the defense could go back through that because mm-hmm. if they're found not guilty, then I don't think you can do that again when someone's found not guilty. You can, appe- hurt. You can appeal it. Yeah. I, I don't know if the, I mean, wouldn't that be some double jeopardy or something like that? Well, you just appeal it. Well, you would, yeah, you would appeal it. As a prosecution. So, okay. You heard it here first, folks. You would appeal it as the prosecution. Yeah. Speaking of cases, closing arguments going on right now in the trial of Derek Chauvin, mm-hmm. the former police officer in Minneapolis accused of killing George Floyd via knee on the neck. And I got to tell you, I don't know exactly where I would go on this trial, where I would go on this verdict. And it might be because I haven't watched, I haven't watched much of the, any of the court proceedings. I haven't gone through a whole lot of the evidence. I don't know exactly whether or not I could find him guilty via the laws. I know I would for sure hope that there would be new laws and new precedents set that would stop police officers from being able to do a lot of the force tactics that, that they use. Uh, but I don't know how I, what the exact laws would be or how I would apply them in, in this case. Mm-hmm. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. Have you formed an opinion on what you think it should it should end up with, Charles? Oh, I think he should be the guilty of the manslaughter charge, for sure. Is that the second degree manslaughter? I think, I think so. Yeah, I think it's the um, because I don't think it was his his intent to kill him um, at all. But I do think that whether or not he had drugs in the system, whether or not it was a counterfeit twenty, it doesn't matter. Police officers shouldn't be able to execute people in the street or cause their death. They should do everything possible to restrain somebody without causing their death. And um, I mean, the guy was handcuffed and on the ground, and I know he was difficult to get in the car, but to to knee on his neck for nine minutes, I don't think is appropriate. Yeah. Regardless of anything else, I mean, it's just not. It's just not an appropriate action, and you can be. I think you can be charged with incidental murder and all kinds of things that you weren't necessarily meaning to do. Yeah. Um, you know, if I was driving a car and being negligent and you died at the hands of me driving a car, I could be charged with, with manslaughter for that. So that is the, the negligence part is what does matter right there. And whether or not, whether or not Derek Chauvin was being negligent or whether or not he was following any type of, police procedure or anything that is allowed under Minneapolis's policing laws. If he was doing something that say someone else 
had done also that same day and the person didn't die and the, and everything was fine and they found that police officers can do that sort of thing i think it makes it a very i think it makes it a very difficult case and what i really want to come from this is that what i'm worried about is he'll be found guilty which i'm which i'm totally fine with him being found guilty on the charges what i wouldn't like is that he's being found guilty because the jury is afraid to find him innocent I don't want that to be the case because if they do think there was reasonable doubt or that he did follow some type of police precedent that that they would still find him guilty because they're worried about what would happen otherwise. I'm worried about that being the case. And so I want to make sure that if he's found guilty, it's being found guilty on the for the proper reasons. But and I, I think regardless of what the policies and procedures are, I mean, you know, in war in World War Two they they told the Germans that it didn't matter if they were following orders. Yeah. There are some things so heinous in life. I think you should understand that there are certain things you can do um, in life that are going to harm another human being, regardless of if you're following the law or, or following procedure or whatever, just like the Eric Gardner case in New York. You know, the, 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 the thing about it is, because what you have to do is you have to put yourself in George Floyd's situation. You know, what if, what if you did something or were accused of doing something and the police officer treated you so shittily that they killed you? Yeah. What, I, what, what would you do? Or, or your fit one of your family members, I definitely put yourself in that situation, put yourself, if that was your brother or if that was your uncle or, or father, but in the case of a defense, in the case of a trial, what needs to be done for the defense of someone who's being charged with the trials, putting yourself in the situation of the person who's being defended in the trial and whether or not they acted in accordance with the rules that are set out for, for them. Uh, in, in, in my opinion, I think we can obviously make an emotional case that I, I didn't want George Floyd to die. I don't think anything he did uh, made uh, had any reason for him to be killed that day or for him to die that day. Uh, but all I would say from a defense standpoint is, did Derek Chauvin follow police procedure and someone died? Or did he break what the procedure was and someone died as a consequence? And then, of course, what the defense is trying to prove, right, with their closing arguments we just listened to, is that this whole but for the knee on his neck would... George Floyd have died, what they're trying to prove is that regardless of whether or not his knee was on the neck, George Floyd was going to die because he had taken so much fentanyl, uh, because he had had so many drugs in the system that the guy that he was going to die regardless. The fact that the cop was holding him down was actually just inconsequential to the entire thing that happened, that he was going to die anyway, and which is what they're trying to argue right now. I don't think that's true. Essentially. So that's what... That's what I've understand it, understood it to be anyway. So I just, all I'm saying is I think that this is a more, I think this is a difficult trial. Um, and what I would like to see come from this is a good talk about qualified immunity, a good talk about the, the rules for policing, because we are giving the government authorization to use force over us. And you know, we think about these cases in terms of, if I held you down and you died, then am I guilty of that? But that's not the case between the two of us because one of us would be a police officer and a police officer is in a very unique standpoint because they have actually got legal use of force over other people. 
whereas I don't have any legal use of force over you. And so the, on a legal standpoint, that's that's really going to matter. So thinking about it in terms of the two of us is a lot different than thinking about it between the terms of one person actually having a legal ability to use force on someone and if someone you, if not. If you can't do it, the government shouldn't be allowed I'm, to do it either. I'm not arguing the philosophical ideas right now. <laughs> I'm arguing from a, a trial yeah. standpoint. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess Joe, that, uh, so a couple of things. One, uh, I just got done, we just got done watching part of the um, defense um, what's it called? Closing arguments. And he actually took his last breath at eight minutes and 20 seconds. So he wasn't dead at three minutes. It was eight minutes, 20 seconds. And that's what the defense was saying. So, um, it was relevant and I did watch the video and look, of course they, they tried to treat him well. Of course he was resisting. You know, he was combative. I'm not saying that he wasn't. And they actually put him in but, the police car and then they, took him back out of the police car. If and I, they struggle, well, they struggled to get him in the police car. Yeah. The problem is, is that there has to be better ways to restrain people than kneeing on their neck. That can't be something that you use to restrain somebody. You know, the same thing happened to Eric Garner when they choked him out, you know, they choked him out for too long and the guy died for selling loose cigarettes. You know, it, look, say what you will. I'm not saying that I, I hate cops, so don't hear what I'm not saying here. I think there's plenty of good cops. Okay, there's there's plenty of great cops. We have to change the narrative in this country. That I agree with what um, with what West says here is that accountability isn't going to change unless the nation gains respect for one another. We have to change that by doing a couple things. I think, which is one, reducing so many laws. Um, the fact that he had fentanyl in his system or methamphetamine, I don't care if he took a whole bag of heroin, like who cares, right? That shouldn't be a, that shouldn't be a crime. Um, obviously I don't, I don't know what to do about the counterfeit 20, um, but reducing those police interactions one, and then two, there has to be better ways of detaining people to charge them with a crime, to have their day in court without using tactics that could lead to death. My because he is innocent until proven guilty, but not anymore cuz he's dead. My question would be that I think the drugs and the system, and listen, I think I think he's going to be found guilty and I and I'm and I'm going to be okay with that. I think if anything the fear of what would happen if he wasn't found guilty is going to lead to him being found guilty, which is the part that I don't like about it. Um but my question would be if they if they hit him with a if they hit him with a taser and he had all those drugs in his system and all the same stuff going on they hit him with a taser and he had a heart attack and died then would the police officer be guilty of manslaughter or murder at, at that time because without the police officer hitting him with a taser he wouldn't have died and obviously we're just going back and applying a different situation here, but if the cop wouldn't hit him with a taser, he'd still be alive right now. Mm -hmm. And so if the taser ended up causing them to have a heart attack or causing them to, uh, with all the fentanyl and all that stuff in the system, well then did the cop kill him or did he die because of what was in his system? And so that's, I don't, maybe I should just be a defense attorney. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's what I would do. I'm not sure. It's a tough case. <clears throat> I, yeah. I don't disagree with that. It's tough. 
police have killed more than a thousand people with tasers since 2000 from PBS right there. And, and that's another thing. Like if someone has a condition, maybe they have a pacemaker, maybe they have something like that and they get hit with a taser. Are you guilty of murdering the person? Because what you did, if you had not have done that, would the person have died? Really, it's the medical condition that the person had that led to them dying. And if you followed your procedure and and inside of all of our laws and you hit them with a taser and they tragically died, should you be brought up on charges? I I don't know. I'm just, I'm interested in seeing what they... uh, I'm interested in seeing what they what they come up with on this. And obviously, this is going to be something that gets talked about quite a bit. So then what I was saying earlier is if he's found guilty, I want it to be found guilty. I want him to be found guilty based on the laws and based on uh, the idea that our police shouldn't be able to do this or that we, you know, that whole idea and not because they they're trying to create a referendum on racism or white supremacy or police killing black people or anything like that. I want it to be I want him to be found guilty based on the right reasons, based on the right application of the laws. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really all I have to say about that. Mm-hmm. That's that's about it right there. That's all I got. So, <clears throat> one of these yeah, there's, and there's no evidence that this was racially motivated. But trust me, if they would have found if they would have found one thing that Chauvin had ever said that would indicate that he was racist, it would be all over the place. Mm-hmm. It would be everywhere. But there isn't. There isn't a thing. And if it did exist, they would have found it. And so that I think it's pretty clear that this was not due out of someone that was just racist towards people. So That's um, 100% true. So we'll go to this article here from the New York Post. All right. The New York Post. You guys have probably heard the story on this, but I want to have a, have a conversation about it because this is a common theme that we hear about. The BLM co-founder. And so we all, we've heard the story, okay? But we need to talk about the ideology. We need to talk about how this always happens and why this always happens. Every time this ideology ever occurs anywhere, why is this always the case? Why are there always people at the top of the ideology that are raking in millions of dollars somehow, living in nice houses, while the people they're pretending to support are out there uh, living the hard life, living the real life. Why is this always the case? So the BLM co-founder, Patrice Con Coolers or Colors, defends real estate holdings. I'm just going to call her PKC because the name's in here a whole bunch. So the Marxist Black Lives Matter co-founder, PKC, tearfully defended her $3.2 million real estate empire insisting she didn't use a penny of BLM donations on herself. Quote, Wes said tax the rich. (laughs) Tax the rich. Exactly. Quote, I've never taken a salary from the Black Lives Matter Global Networks Foundation. She said Thursday, that's important. She told host, (laughs) she told the host for Black News Tonight, Mark Lamont Hill, because what the right wing media is trying to say is that the donations that people gave the Black Lives Matter went towards my spending. And that is categorically untrue and incredibly dangerous. Now, this might be the case, by the way. The normal, the thing I've been hearing all weekend is that BLM raked in $90 million and someone here at the top has somehow made enough money from all those donations that the, that the donations are going to the people at the top and they're able to buy, a, uh, for instance, a $1.4 million house in L.A. Well, she specifically said Black Lives Matter Global Networks Foundation. Yes. So, so that, are there any... 
Yes, there are non-profit wings that are not called that. There are okay. and there are for-profit wings that are not called that right there. She specifically named one part of the organization, but did not name the for-profit part. Yeah. So, and what that pay might be is cloaked in secrecy as BLM's for-profit branches do not reveal spending and executive pay. Uh, PKC is in hot water since the Post first revealed on Sunday that she snapped up four high-end homes as donations poured into the movement, especially in the wake of horrific video of George Floyd's death under the knee of Minneapolis cop. PKC has said that the nonprofit foundation took in $90 million in 2020. Quote, she said, I'm a college professor, first of all. She continued, I'm also a TV producer, and I've had two book deals. My first book that came out was a New York Times bestseller, and I've also had a YouTube deal, she said. All... Okay, so she's making the case that the money didn't have to come from BLM donations. And she's right about this. The money didn't have to because there's been TV deals. There's been book deals, a YouTube deal here, apparently a college professor, which is probably making way too much money being a college professor. So the fact that you were able to buy up recently a one point four million dollar house not completely out of the ordinary for being for mm-hmm. doing all of those things. So this does not have had to have come from the BLM movement's money. All right. But that doesn't matter. Just so you know, that part doesn't matter. That's why we don't need to focus on that part. Here's what she says. Now, remember, this is the Marxist co-founder of Black Lives Matter. I don't know if you guys have read any Marx, but typically Marxists, like to talk a lot about the people who are in the rich, wealthy 1% or the 0.1% if they make it into the 1%. We got to talk about the 0.1%, the evil people at the top, while all these people down at the bottom are struggling to get clean drinking water and adequate housing and pay for health care and all of these normal things and not getting a living wage and that we have to fight the rich, that we have to stop the rich, we got to eat the rich, we got to tax them, all these things. It's impossible for you to get ahead. You can't get ahead, especially if you're black, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a black, if you're a woman of color, can't get ahead. It's impossible. It can't happen, okay? But here's the defense that she has. This is why she can spend this much money on a house, by the way. All of my income comes directly from the work that I do. Okay? Weird. So it's okay to spend, to have $3.2 million in houses because all of her income comes from the work that she does. This is the Marxist organizer of Black Lives Matter. Uh, Quote, but I also want to say something, Mark, and she was talking to Mark, that feels very important. Organizers should get paid for the work that they do. They should get paid a living wage. So she does want to make sure that people at the bottom in the organization are getting paid at least $15 an hour. So it's okay. She's basically a union boss. That's what I'm hearing so far. She continued, She confirmed that she owns four homes, but said she invested in the properties to take care of her family. She said, I'm not renting them out on some Airbnb operation. The way I live my life is in direct support of black people, including my black family members, first and foremost. My money is not my own. I see it as my family's money as well. PKC also took some time to rip the media for reporting on her lavish spending. She said, the fact that right-wing media is trying to create hysteria around my spending is racist and sexist. So you got to make sure you get that out there. As if there's not a daily (laughs) article about Bezos' wealth. Yeah. And everybody else's wealth. No. (laughs) She's the only person that's had to deal with anyone talking about her wealth or the amount of money that she spent on anything. 
And it's because she's a black woman. No one else gets articles written about the amount of money they have or what kind of houses they buy in L.A. Nope, not at all. Never happens. We don't ever see that. It's only for women of color. That's the only thing. Look, I'm proud of her. I, and that's that's what right. we that's what we should be getting across here. Congratulations! I think real estate's great. Good for you. Congratulations. Good for you. She said, "I'm not renting them out in some Airbnb operation. I wouldn't care if you were." Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy houses and then rent them out to people that couldn't afford hotels when they wanted to travel to a nice city. I would never do something like yeah, that. Yeah. That's terrible. Only evil people rent things out for, on Airbnb. <laughs> it's, it's awful. So this is something that happens all the time, by the way. This is not some unique thing that's happened inside of BLM Marxism and never happens in any, inside of any other Marxist organization that there's ever been. For some reason, you always see this. You see someone pushing for the people. You see someone pushing against the rich the evil people at the top that have all the houses and have all the millions and billions of dollars. And then what do you end up finding out? The people who run the organization or the people that are running that country end up in real nice mansions while somehow they just never trickle it down to the people at the bottom that they're trying to help. Mm -hmm. Somehow the, the people always trickle their money up to the people who are running Marxism and the real Marxists never find a way to trickle it down to the people at the bottom. They never really, but they always make sure they take care of themselves. So weird. It is really weird. You could go down the line. Um, Maduro's got, got a nice, Maduro overweight while he is subjecting the rest of Venezuela to the Maduro diet. So that's not working out very well for those people. Bernie Sanders has got three houses. He's been speaking out against the rich for a long time, but he made all of his money on a book deal. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. He made the money from doing the people's work so he can spend that money however he wants to. It's totally fine. If he doesn't want to take that extra money, those extra millions of dollars and donate those all to charities or make sure that he's got uh, $80,000 to live on for the rest of his life and then give the rest of it out to all the people. That's okay if he doesn't do that because he made that money by doing the work that he does, which is of course the opposing idea there would be that the other people at the top they just stole the money somehow. Mm -hmm. They didn't earn the money by doing any kind of work that they did. And so they don't get to decide where that money goes. She gets to decide where the money goes because she earned the money doing the work that she does. All right? It's so it's, amazing it's very how they easy. use the free market. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. Very strange how you'd be okay with taking TV deals, book deals, all those sorts of deals, and then use that money to get houses why does this always happen? Hugo Chavez, plenty of money to go around. His daughter, his daughter, <clears throat> daughter, billionaire. You think she earned the money by doing the work that she does? No. It's a big YouTube deal. Big YouTube deal for the Chavez's. <laughs> all right. That's how they made all their money for sure. You guys think, uh, you guys think Stalin was living in a, in a shack down by the river? hoping that the government was going to give him money every day to live on? You think he was out there working the, working the fields, getting the last part of his grain and giving it out to the government? No. But that's okay. He was doing the people's work out there. He was doing the good, he was doing the good deeds out there for people. This always happens. Because the people who are running these organizations, they're still out for, them, out for themselves. She says, my money's not my own. I see it as my family's money as well. 
that means the money's your own and you've decided that you also want to share it with your family. What about everybody else? What about all the other families? Why is your family more important? What about all the other black families out there in, in LA, in California? What about people that are homeless out there? What, what about people who are struggling to pay some of their bills? Still okay to spend millions on houses and then go out there and talk about how we need to destroy capitalism. Why is this? Why does this always happen? It's always the case all the time. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders is out there still three houses talking about how we got to get rid of the rich and people let him, people let it slide. They let it go. Mm-hmm. It's insane. She wants to help her family while BLM's website said we need to the, needed to destroy the family. <laughs> I just thought about that. You can't make this crap up, man. Uh-uh. So it's, it's time for people to realize that they're being lied to by people that when the only difference the only difference between a the poor person's principles and the rich person's principles is that they're not in the position to have all of the money and when they get the position to have that power and the money they think that they're going to be completely different they think that they're going to still have the same principles of redistribution of all the money and not want to have the nice houses and the nice cars and all the nice things the only big difference is that you're not there. And when you do get a chance to be there, what you always see is that they end up becoming the people that they've been railing against the whole time. Because they earned it. Because they earned it. And they know that they did hard work to earn it. Why would you want to share something you earned? Yeah, that would be unjust mm-hmm. if you were going to share something that you worked hard for. Think of all the hours that she put in for BLM and ends up getting a TV deal, ends up getting a YouTube deal and book deals. She earned that money. Okay. <laughs> she, she earned it. And so she gets suspended on whatever she wants to, which is totally fine, but it's also totally fine for us to call out the fact that she's a hypocrite. Okay. With a capital H. And we can call out hypocrites, by the way, when they are people who would literally burn down our houses if they wanted to. You shouldn't just go out there and call it because people do things that are wrong. I can do things that are hypocritical. I know you guys probably don't think that's possible, but I could probably do things that are hypocritical. Uh-huh. And there's no, you know, there's no river doesn't contain a bend. Okay. I could probably do something hypocritical. So me pointing out that someone's doing hypocritical things is really okay in the sense that this person would take my money if they, if they saw that they could do it. They would tell people to burn down my house if they saw that they could do it. And then they also end up living the life of the people that they are trying to get all this anger built up against. So they're hypocritical. I can make fun of Joe Biden. You know why? I wouldn't make fun of old people who have dementia, who have Alzheimer's, who stumble over their words. I wouldn't make fun of old people for doing it. I wouldn't make fun of old people for falling up a flight of stairs. That's terrible and disgusting. But when that person wants to put me in a cage for not giving over the proper amount of money or for not giving over my guns, then you know what? All the rules, all the bets are kind of off at that time. You can make mm-hmm. fun of them for whatever you want to. Totally fine. I think you make fun of anybody <clears throat> at any time. Well, I mean, you can. Yeah. You can. What I'm saying is it, it becomes more, more okay when that person is I think, literally going to exercise force against you when they have the opportunity. I think laughter is the best medicine, unless I, your teeth hurt. <laughs> then <laughs> it it's hurt. true. It hurts to laugh. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> Does it hurt to talk? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I started hurting about halfway through, and so I noticed you started like going over to the uh, side. Like, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think about something else, but I can't. That's the thing about mouth pain is that there you can't think about anything else. No. Like if my toe hurt right now, I'd be like, okay, my toe hurts. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but your mouth, it's right there. You, it is right here. That it, it's funny. You always think about other types of pain and then when something bad happens you're like you know that kind of pain's really bad because you use this thing all the time and what i've found out is that you really don't recognize that until you have a specific thing in different regions of your body and you're like i use that all the time i feel bad for people who have that pain right there because i would have never i would never make a huge deal about someone tearing a tendon in their finger with a knife that's not tearing, that's stabbing a tendon and, and slicing it with a, with a knife. But you know what? You use your hands all the time. You're just using hands all the time. It really hurts. It hurts real bad to have a severed tendon in your, in your finger. You know, I got my appendix out. You know how much you use, what little lab muscles you have when you're moving around? It's like everything you do. Mm-hmm. You're breathing, you're eating, you're coughing, you're laughing, you're using your stomach all the time. And it hurts. That core, man. It hurts to have that right there. So what I found is every part of your body is important. That's, that's what really I what I found. I'm, I'm against pain. <clears throat> yeah. Anti-pain. I'm anti-pain. Antipa. Not only yeah. am I anti-death, I'm anti-pain. Yeah. You don't want any pain at mm. all. Pain it's, is not Charlie's gain. It's the worst. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going <laughs> to... Where the hell does it come from? I'm going to go ahead and suggest that we end the actual show here. We can keep talking here for a minute, but I think that it would be mm. a good time to go ahead and finish up that was really the most important story and it's not really this person or whether or not they're using blm money or whatever it's the ideology that you need to think about it's always a lie the ideology is always a lie and that is what you need to take that's the idea when you're talking to people online about this if you do end up in a conversation about this it doesn't need to be a personal attack or a, a theory about how they're siphoning money out of BLM's donations. It needs to be about the people who are running Marxism and the Marxist revolution are always going to be doing really amazing while the people at the bottom end up staying in the same conditions the whole time because that's the way that this ideology always plays out. And typically the way the ideology plays out is the people at the bottom end up being worse, worse off after that revolution occurs. And that is why we really have to worry about that. That is why the people at the top of these movements do need to be destroyed when these things happen because the ideologies that they are pushing will end up hurting a lot of people and especially hurting the people that they're trying to help. If you guys enjoyed today's episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button because that tells the algos that people like the videos are trying to push the YouTubes right now. So go to the YouTubes, subscribe, hit like on all the videos and comment something too. And we really appreciate that. Make sure you follow or subscribe and you tell a friend, you tell an enemy and tell a family member that they need to listen to the Good Morning Liberty podcast every single day of the week when we want to, because that is how we pull ourselves out of this hellish, tyrannical, dark abyss that we've been running down for so long. Just terrible lengths of amounts of time, and we have to pull ourselves out of it. Okay, you stay classy. So, what you got, man? That's That was fantastic. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Leave us that rating and review, folks, please. There you go. Leave it. Yep. Leave it on there. A nice one, unless you're mad at me about the Chauvin thing. <laughs> and don't leave anything. I think most people would disagree with me on it. 
even though I'm saying that you found guilty, I'm t- totally fine with yeah. that. I can't. I haven't officially made a made a, a an opinion on it because I haven't gone through all of the evidence. Actually, I haven't gone. I have not watched all of the case, and I have not read all the evidence. So I'm. I honestly can't make an official opinion on it. I know that I completely disagree with George Floyd dying, mm-hmm. but I disagree with people dying every single day, and um, I'm I'm going to be interested to see how this goes. Yeah. So, y'all leave us that rating and review on iTunes or uh, Apple Podcast or Stitcher, wherever you wherever you can leave that rating and review. Y'all do that, and if you do all that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs> <laughs>